Well, good morning again. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Pastor Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at Woodburn Missionary Church. And again, we want to welcome you. And we are excited for what God has in store for us this morning. If you have your Bibles, I would go ahead and encourage you to go ahead and open up to Acts 8. Go ahead and open up to Acts 8. That's where we're going to be hanging out. If you do not have a Bible, I am like 99.9%-ish confident that there's one behind you in the pew. Go ahead and pull that out. And if you don't own a Bible, take that home with you because that is a gift from us to you because we believe here that God's Word is powerful and we want to put it in your hands if you don't have that. So I know as I'm getting to learn Woodburn a little bit um, that there, there seems to be some farmers that live in this community, just a couple. So I'm going to say some things this morning, so please, if I am not correct, um, don't come running at me on an agricultural debate because I'm going to lose and you're going to win. However, when I was growing up, I can remember, and I did not like it, so, um, but I would have to help my aunt, especially when we lived in Kentucky, plant a garden every year. I know not quite farm level, but still, it was a garden, and I didn't like to do it. So for those of you that farm, thank you for what you do. I am much appreciative because in my small scale of farming, gardening, um, I found that I really did not like it, and I was not good at it for several reasons. Uh, one, it was always hot, it was always long days, and you had to be very meticulous on how you planted things if you wanted them to grow. And I did not have any of those traits as a 12-year-old boy in Kentucky. I was not patient. I certainly didn't care about what was going to happen with the garden three months from now. If it wasn't happening right now, I really didn't care. So I really did not want to invest the time or energy. However, my aunt, every spring, she'd be like, hey, we're going to go plant a garden this one day. She says, Mike, you're going with me. And our garden sat up on top of a hill. And a hill, I know it's flat here, but there are hills in Kentucky. So we have to chuck our way up the hill, and we get up the hill, and she gives me all these corn seed. And she's like, Mike, here's the rows. There's a bunch of rows. I have no idea how many, but a bunch of rows of corn. And here's your job. You take the seed and you go down each and every one of these rows and you put a seed in there about every six or so inches and you plant it and you cover it with some dirt. Easy, right? However, 12-year-old Mike had some friends waiting for him to go do some things because, you know, 12-year-old boys have important things to do in life. And my aunt said, when your seeds are planted, you can go. Sweet. I have an idea. So, when she's looking, I'm putting one seed in the hole. When she's not looking, I'm putting as many as I can. Because in my mind, the sooner I get rid of the seeds, the sooner I can go play with my friends. So I'm planting, she's looking, then she's not. And I'm dumping just piles of seeds in these holes and I'm covering it up. She doesn't know. And then I'm like, I'm done. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I'm fast. She did not question me. She learned later. She should have questioned me. So I left. And of course, when you plant it, you have no idea what's going on. Well, then things start to grow or not grow, depending on which pile you look at. See, what I learned was this. And again, not a farmer, but it was very easy to see when things started growing where I planted properly or where I scattered the seeds and I didn't pile the seeds up. So I scattered them like they were supposed to, like the instructions, like it's on me. 
that was growing awesome corn. Like you could see it growing up in these big old ears of corn and sweet corn. We were going to eat corn. But it was very obvious where I did not put one seed. Because one of two things were happening in those piles where I piled the seeds up. Either nothing was growing and it was just there. Or if there was something growing, it was a sad looking little plant with this sad little ear corn trying to come out. So why is that? Like, I, I didn't know, so I did some research this week, called a farmer, make sure some of this is accurate. So again, I did not just make this up as I go. But what I was told, because I was like, why didn't that grow? And what was described to me was this, is see, when you pile all the seeds in one spot and you try to get them to grow, they are all fighting for the same sunlight. So all those seeds are trying to get sunlight and pull to grow. But which seed is going to win? Also, they're all fighting for that same patch of nutrients in the dirt. So all of them are fighting for this little, you know, I put a pile on there like that, and they're all trying to grab the nutrients of the dirt. And some, maybe one is going to get some, but not enough nutrients to grow. The moral of the story is this, is we need to scatter the seeds. We can't pile the seeds up and expect huge growth. Because if we scatter the seeds we get fruit it grows when we pile the seeds it either dies or it withers see this is what we're going to be talking about this week I want you to remember this kind of illustration because this is going to be a challenging week as we jump into Acts 8 on what it looks like to be a church that is scattered not piled a church that is scattered not piled so I want you to think as you think of Woodburn Missionary Church, because I've been here for all of a couple months, and I know some of y'all have been here like a long time. I'm not going to name numbers because, well, just a long time. But what I would ask is, what kind of church is Woodburn Missionary Church today? Not yesterday, last week, not five years ago. What is Woodburn Missionary Church today? Are we a church that is growing and scattered and flourishing or are we a church that's kind of piled up and maybe withering and trying to grow, but we're not getting enough nutrients? We're not getting enough sunlight. Because as we look at the book of Acts, it started in the very beginning in Acts 1.8. And I know you all have been going through this book. And Jesus says that we need to go. We need to be scattered from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, like we don't stop in Jerusalem. And this is the whole idea today, is what it means to be a scattered church. Let's pray. God, as we come to your word today, God, I do pray that you will open our minds and our hearts to receive your word. And God, that not that we just hear it, but God, that your spirit may nudge us, push us, challenge us in and through the reading and hearing of your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are jumping in in Acts 8. And we're going to read just a few chapters at a, or a few verses at a time. So we're going to start Acts 8, starting in verse 1. And if you remember, last week Pastor Steve talked about the Stephen who was martyred and put to death as he shared this beautiful message of the history of where Jesus came from. And why he was so amazing. And then he was put to death. And this is the scene that unfolds after that death. 
Starting in Acts 1, it says this, and Saul approved of their killing him, him being Stephen. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Let's pause there. So in these first few verses, and really verse 1, we could spend the next 60 minutes on that alone. It is so powerful. We won't. I could, but we won't. But in that first verse, we see several things. The first thing we see is it says that Saul approved of the killing. So we are setting the stage. Saul was witnessing what's happening. He approves of the killing. That, that phrase, that statement, approved of the killing. If you look at the original translation of just that phrase alone, when it says approved of the killing, really does not do it justice. Because when we look at the original Greek translation, it really means that Saul found joy in what was happening. He was pleased with what was happening, with what he was seeing. With the murder of Stephen and next the church, he found joy in destroying the church. That made him happy. That's sad. Knowing the mindset of where Saul is, we need to understand his frame of mind. It's not just that he was plea, like he, was, he saw it and like, yes, I approve. It was like, yes, this is what needs to happen. He was passionate about it. He was happy about it. That brought him joy. And that's important because if we read on and we see on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered. So out of this, we see the other two statements in this first verse, and that is there's a great persecution. So out of the death, there's a great persecution. So Saul is rallying the troops and saying, I'm not stopping with Stephen. I'm moving on, and we are going to destroy this church before it ever gets truly started. And so he does, and it says that he's going to destroy it, this great persecution breaks out and I think we need to pause for a minute and remember Stephen's death because out of that death listen to me y'all Stephen's death was the catalyst for persecution of all churches Stephen's death was the catalyst for persecution for all churches this persecution was the seed of the church that was planted through faith a seed that would be scattered Stephen's death, we know now, looking back, he was a martyr, the first martyr. And we know that in that martyrism that he launched, his, his death was the catalyst that saw the church go from Jerusalem. And remember what Jesus said, that it was going to leave Jerusalem, but what caused it to leave and be scattered? It was the death of Stephen. So that persecution came out of that death. Then it goes on and it says they were scattered except for the apostles. The apostles, it's believed 
They, they think that the reason the apostles stayed, because you would think if anybody's running at this time and there's a persecution and they're trying to destroy the church, it would be the apostles. Like the founding fathers would be like tailing out of town. But it says they stay, and it's believed the reason they stayed is because Jerusalem is still the ground zero for the church. They still had a job to do in Jerusalem. But the rest were scattered. What does that mean? What is Luke talking about when he says they were scattered? And, and there's a couple of different ways we can look at this word scattered. The first one that I kind of think of is this. It's when I think of the end of life. So when somebody was to be cremated and you would go and you would scatter the ashes and it's a symbolism of, of finality, saying goodbye, the end no more life. But then we have the other idea of scatter, and it's just like my story of farming. It's the farmers, it's you all who go out and you scatter the seeds and you're planting and it's growing and it's bringing life. See the difference? There's two ways we can scatter. If we stay piled up, there's no life. There's, there's trickles of life, but essentially you're just going to wither away we want to be a church that is scattered, that is sown, that is planted, that is growing. This is the type of scatter that Luke is talking about. He's talking about the kind that is going to bring life. Luke is talking about the scattering of seeds, seeds of the gospel to be scattered to grow. That is the type of seeds that Luke is talking about, that we are going to be scattered. We are going to be scattered as seeds of life that are going to be fueled in and through the gospel. That's the type of scatter that Luke is laying out when he says they were scattered. Jesus is laying out a plan in Acts 1.8, a plan that indicates the scattering of Christians to move beyond Jerusalem. Because listen, we are here today, those of us that call Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, because of that persecution of Stephen, because they were scattered and it says they were scattered and they shared and they talked about Jesus. And because they were scattered, there were more Christians scattered. And you know what? Then they were scattered. And then they kept talking about Jesus. And they took this seed of the gospel and they kept taking it with them. They kept planting it and sowing it so it would grow. And you know why you're here today? Because they were scattered. We have a mission. We too are called to be scattered. We too are called to be scattered. Moving on, Acts 2 or Acts 8, verse 2 says, Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but yet Saul began to destroy the church. And I, I wonder when I read this, this is what's really kind of odd to me that, that this little verse that these godly men came and got Stephen. Like, where, why was that important to the story of leading up to this persecution? Like, why the godly men? Why worry about, Stephen did his job. He died for Christ. We celebrated that. Like, why, what's the aftermath? Why? And when they mention these godly men, it's believed that these are not followers of Jesus. They were Jewish men who believed in God. Remember, this is the dispute. It's, it's those who are, are not believing Jesus was the Messiah and the rest that are still followers of God the Father, which makes this persecution so crazy. 
But it's believed these men were moved by the death of Stephen, seeing how he was wrong and heard his witness. And they came to him as godly men and said, we need to even in the midst of this person. Because think of the scene that's going on. Persecution. People are being hurt, arrested, probably still murdered. And these godly men said, we're going to step in and we're going to do and honor Stephen who, again, was the catalyst that launched the seed. All this to say is the church is under the attack because it goes on to say that Saul began to destroy the church. One could argue that Woodburn Missionary Church has also been under attack. I've been here long enough to hear some of the stories. I've talked to some of you one-on-one. And I think it's safe to say that there's been an attack on this church. There's been a persecution on this church. No, there's no martyrs. There's no true, like, murders. But there are martyrs in the sense that people have been hurt. People are still hurt. People are still trying to figure out why this happened to Woodburn Missionary Church. Why the attack on us? Because persecution is always going to come. We see it clearly in the Bible. It's going to be hard. But in your pain, in your hurt, as we try to come together and be a church that is scattered, hear these words. However, like the godly men who mourn Stephen... Let us mourn our own Stevens. Meaning, Woodburn Missionary Church, what is the Stephen that you need to mourn and let go of? What is the persecution that you know that you need to mourn and say, I'm done with it. I'm letting it go. I'm surrendering it to God. Let us mourn our own Stevens and let us look at the power of the gospel for healing. And in that power of the gospel, let us be a church that is scattered. Let us be a church that is scattered. And if we're going to be scattered, what are we going to do? Verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Simple. You're going to be scattered. You're going to preach the word. Now, there's some misconceptions. Some people argue this, and this is what I see when I read preach the word. And if you look up again in the original translation from the Greek, this preach the word simply means share the good news. It's not so much about the preaching and teaching, and I know we can get caught up in who's supposed to teach and who's supposed to preach. And Pastor Steve just talked about this just a few weeks ago, how the apostle said, hey, we're too busy. We need to find some people to help us to go serve the hungry, to serve the widow, because we are called to teach and preach. This inference of that in this text that says preach the word is not only set aside for the apostles because we know the apostles were not scattered they're still in Jerusalem so if they're scattered and it's saying they're sharing the word well there's a disconnect because hey they didn't have cell phones didn't have FaceTime they were not sending out a a satellite image or message from the apostles to Samaria 
That means the people that went there that were scattered were preaching or sharing the good news. What does that mean for you and I? That means if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we are called to be scattered. There's no requirement on our life that we have to be at the level of a teacher or preacher. We are all disciples of Jesus Christ if we call him our Lord and Savior and we've surrendered to him. And so when we are scattered, we are also scattered to share the good news of Jesus. So it doesn't stop with anybody that's on this platform. I would argue everybody, you, it's me and the few hundred of you all out there, your impact is greater than mine. If you love Jesus, you've been called you have been called to be scattered and you don't need any special degree to do so. You simply need to know that you love Jesus. That should be motivation enough. You simply need to know that you love Jesus and that should be motivation enough. Everett Harrison writes this about the people that were scattered. The people went as missionaries more than refugees. The people went as missionaries more than refugees, meaning they were going on a mission. They weren't going seeking shelter, seeking places to hide. That would be me. I'm not lying. If people are dying in the streets, I'm looking for a cave to hide. These people were not. They were going to cities where really they didn't even belong. We're going to learn about that in just a couple more verses. And then they were talking about the Jesus that got their friends killed or put in prison, or yanked out of their houses. And it took no special degree. They were scattered like seeds. Scattered like seeds, meant to grow where they were, wherever that seed landed, to plant the seed of the gospel. They weren't hiding, they stepped out, they did work, and they were being Jesus to the world. Y'all, that's crazy. Like how in that mist of craziness and persecution does that happen? And I have to laugh a little bit when I think about it because we know the end of the story, but you have to believe that Saul's plan was if I put enough people in prison, if I murder enough people in front of other people, this Jesus thing is just going to stop. Little did he know his persecution launched the church to where it is today. We also know that Saul invests in the church later on too. So there's a little funny irony in that, that this man who tried to stop the church also helped grow the church, but also the method in which he tried to stop the church launched the church to the next level, leaving Jerusalem and going out into the world. See, we see over and over throughout history of the church, there will be persecution. Things will not be easy. Yet the Bible over and over says that even in the hard times, Jesus is going to use those. And when we're tired, he will give us endurance. If we look at Romans 5, it says this, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith, into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Listen to verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering 
because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. It takes all of them to get there. Moving on, as we transition, we kind of come out of the persecution, and now we see these stories of bold faith on what happened with at least one person in this persecuted state of affairs that was going on. So we're going to meet this guy named Philip. And when we start in verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. So we see we're introduced to Philip. This is a guy that was scattered. So who is Philip? Who is this Philip guy? And why, why are we hearing his story? Well, Philip was one, if you remember, when we talk about the apostles and they picked the seven that were going to be kind of what we call deacons now, but they picked the seven that were going to serve the food and they were going to help the widows. Stephen was one of those seven and so was Philip. Philip was one of those seven that they picked. So Philip, listen, so we're going to hear Philip's story, but Philip was no more than a man that was called to feed the hungry and to take care of the sick. That was his job. It was not to preach the word. His job was to literally give some folks some food and help the elderly cross the dirt road. I don't know, but help the elderly. And I say that not with a lack of importance. I say that because sometimes we like to elevate these people as we are not them and we can't do what they did. And the fact of the matter is this is, yes, you can. And you're called to do so. And God will gift you to do it, just like he did Philip. So Philip is a normal guy. Yes, he was one of the seven, but he didn't have this gift that said, hey, he's a great communicator. He was just a follower of Jesus who was scattered and when he was scattered he didn't run and hide he was ready to plant seeds of the gospel that's what Philip did he took that call and he went with it so it said that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and again we mentioned in Acts 1 8 that is that like the end game we're going to go from Jerusalem to Samaria but what we need to understand about Samaria is Philip didn't go down the road where he knew some folks. He wasn't scattered to his cousin's house. Philip went to a country where he was disliked, and really he should dislike them. Because the Jewish community and the Samaritans have thousands of years of history of not liking each other by this point. The Jewish people saw the Samaritans, the Samaritans as these half-breeds, both in faith and in life. They didn't like each other. So add that to the level of they were scattered, but he went right and was scattered to the place where he probably didn't want to go. They didn't like each other. But what did he do when he got there? Went down to the city of Samaria and he saw signs of wonder, he proclaimed the Messiah. 
He went where it was hard. And he shared the love of Christ with them. He shared the love of Christ with the people that he liked the least. He said, Jesus, if this is where you're scattering me to, I'm going to plant the seed of the gospel here, and I'm going to share it to whoever will listen. I'm going to share it to whoever will listen. And we understand as we read through this that the Samaritans, let's think about the craziness that's going on. The Samaritans had to know about this Jesus guy just like because people were dying over him. And the reason I bring that up is a lot of times I hear this when people talk about, well, everybody I know knows about Jesus. Maybe so. I think in the Western world, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that at least doesn't know who Jesus or, oh yeah, he's that church person. I don't really know who he is, but they know of Jesus. And I think the Samaritans knew of Jesus But what Philip was bringing was the gospel of Jesus. So he was reflecting the love, the grace, and the mercy that Jesus had for them. And when he did that, it said, they heard. And in verse 8 it says, so there was great joy in the city. Philip did not cause that joy. Philip was nothing more than a megaphone for the gospel. He was planting a seed. He was being scattered and being faithful in and through that. But a lot of times I would be asked this, like that's great for Philip because he was one of the seven. So they saw something in him. I am not one of the seven. I'm not even one of the 100,000. I'm just me. So how can I go, especially someplace where I know I may not be liked very well, and plant my seed and be scattered? Philip did not go alone. Philip did not do this solo. Philip went with a power that is living inside you right now, if you know Jesus Christ. Philip went with the Holy Spirit. And we know that. Why do we know that? Because we know that in Acts 6-3, when Philip was called out, they said he was a man of good character and full of the Spirit. Philip had the Holy Spirit in him. And we know that the Bible tells us that Jesus says, you will not be alone for I am going to send an advocate to be with you. When I leave, I'm not leaving you solo. You will have somebody to go with you and that advocate is the Holy Spirit. And so listen to me, when you're scared, like what am I going to say? How am I going to say people, hey, this Jesus guy, I know you can't see, hear, touch, but he's awesome. You're not. The Holy Spirit will use you. All you have to do is be faithful surrender to the Holy Spirit and say, yes, I will do and I will be scattered where you're going to scatter me. He'll do the rest if you let him in faith. We do not do this alone. Moving on. We see a new character added, so we see this bold faith of Philip and now his faith is going to be challenged yet again So we read in Acts 8, now 9 through 13 to kind of finish up. Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and explained this man is rightly called great power of God. 
They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great sign and miracles he saw. So you get introduced to this guy named Simon, and, and when I think of Simon, here's Simon. Simon is that guy, and you can fill in the blank, but there's always somebody in the spotlight that gets elevated by us. They really didn't get elevated on anything they did. They did something really cool or amazing, and then we elevate them and give them a platform that really they didn't deserve. But then you're always kind of thinking in your back of the head, like, this guy's just a little sketchy. I don't know what it is about him. I'm going to follow him because he's interesting, but there's something about him that's just a little off. And see, the Samaritans, they raise him up to this level because of his sorcery. He did these wonders and signs. They're like, oh, he's awesome. Let's elevate him. And they elevate him to the point of what they say called, they, this man is rightly called the great power of God. What kind of name do you give somebody like that? That alone is like, huh? What? But they elevate him. And what we see here by this, the way they've elevated him is Luke is setting the platform for Philip to go against the local hero. Philip is being set up to go against the sorcerer, Simon. But very simply put, in verse 12, and whenever you see this word but, when there's a transition, it says, but what they believed. And what did they believe? They believed the good news of the kingdom. They believed in the name of Jesus Christ, and they were baptized. Again, scattered seeds. The seed of the gospel was planted, and out of those seeds, people came to know Jesus and were baptized. Even Simon believed more on that in a few weeks. So to wrap up, this is my challenge to you, to us, is we are called to be scattered seeds. We are not called to be heaped up and kind of wilting and just kind of surviving. We are called to be scattered seeds, to be out there. And we have the most powerful seed available. Again, I'm not a farmer, but you all spend a lot of time finding the right combination of seed and fertilizer so you get the best crop and the best growth so that you, you produce a great product. We have the best seed available. It's called the gospel. And we get to take that with us. Philip was bold in his faith, and he took the seed of the gospel into hard areas. And he says, this is for you so that you might know the same Jesus. Philip shared the good news of Jesus. The Jesus that was sent by God the Father. The Jesus that died for you and I so that we may have eternal life and that we may come to him and surrender our life to him. The Jesus that died still loving us even on the cross as he died. The Jesus that rose and defeated death. The Jesus that says they are mine to God the Father when he sits next. Like they are mine. You are his. That seed.
And if you don't know that love today, I want to make sure you know that you are loved. Why is it so critical that this seed is scattered? We don't really do anything with it. We're just trying to be faithful to what God has called us to do. God does the work. But I want you to hear today, if you don't know that love, that type of love that says somebody would die for you unconditionally and take your sins away from you, that you are being persecuted in your own life right now and you're like, I don't get this. Why would anybody out of persecution go and do something as awesome as what we saw Philip do? Because of Jesus. So if that's you and you are feeling that pain and that hurt, I want you to know that that same pain and hurt that he took and used then, he still uses today. And he can still take that pain away from you as long as you are willing to surrender to him. So I would encourage you to cry out to him, to come talk to me, to come talk to somebody. Because that's why the seed is so important because there are people that are being persecuted emotionally, physically, who do not know the love of Jesus. I am passionate about people knowing the love of Jesus, if you haven't figured that out. And you should be too. It's what we're called to do. It's a powerful seed, you all, and I know that it is intimidating, but listen as we wrap up. How awesome is that seed of the gospel? That seed of the gospel is life-changing and both life-saving. It is deserving of being scattered. So church, will you commit yourself not to anything I said today, not even to the ministry of Woodburn Missionary Church, but to Jesus who saw you, loved you, and died for you should be enough to motivate you out of faith to go and be that scattered seed. I want to share this quote from Spurgeon before we get ready to wrap up. If every church where there is really the power of the Spirit of God, the Lord will cause it to be spread abroad, more or less to be scattered. He never means that a church should be like a nut shut up in a shell, nor like an ointment enclosed in a box. The precious perfume of the gospel must be poured forth to sweeten the air. So let us step out. Let us do work. Let us be Jesus and take that scattered seed of the gospel to wherever God leads you. Will you stand with me as we get ready to pray? God, we are thankful for just the, the faith that we see in your scripture from Philip. And we know there are many more stories like that that we never see of the scattered seeds of the gospel that are being spread even yet today. And God, I trust there are people sitting in this room that are being so faithful to that call and they are being scattered to the places where maybe they, want, they don't want to go. But God, I just pray we as a church that we hear that call in our own lives on an individual level, on a corporate level, and that we will be a church that is scattered, seeking the lost, seeking the hurt, so that they may hear your love. Not that you need us, God, but you allow us to be a part of that. So God, give us the strength, give us the courage, and give us the, the power in and through your spirit to go forth and do so.
Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.